Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Gabrielle Coburn has a lot of family in the Northeast Kingdom. Newport, North Troy. Right. Um, I have my mom and dad and I have an aunt. I have a cousin. I have, I have multiple cousins in that area. Uh, my grandfather. Gabrielle lives in Kingston, Ontario. She has dual citizenship. Her dad is American and her mom is Canadian. And then she ended up marrying a Canadian. It just made more sense for us to live in Canada, so we ended up here. Her brother also married a Canadian. They live in the NEK. I'm not expecting you to keep track of all this. But the gist is that this is a family of blended citizenship. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we border hop apparently in our family, so. At least they used to, until the pandemic shut down all non-essential travel between the U.S. and Canada. The border's been restricted since March. Tonight, an all-too-familiar announcement. And any supposed reopening keeps getting pushed back. The U.S.-Canada border closure extended again. Non-essential travel between the two countries is now restricted until at least December 21st. Of course, people have gotten creative. Gabrielle says she's seen photos of families gathering on the border between Derby Line and Stansted, outside the public library. They're just sitting outside of it, just sitting. Like, you can't touch, you can't, like, give a gift, or you just sit there and talk. But that doesn't work for Gabrielle. She lives too far away, in Ontario. And even if she did travel to the border... If I brought my kids to see my parents and they were on the other side, there's no way I could keep my kids away from, like, going to give grandma and grandpa a big hug. So that'd be torture for them. She was able to bring her kids to Vermont once this summer to meet their new cousin. But even that was hard. Since her husband's not a U.S. citizen, he couldn't come. She and her kids had to quarantine for two weeks when they got home. And Canada's quarantine rules are just a bit stricter than America's. If you don't follow them, you could face a fine of up to $750,000 and up to six months in prison. The way things are going now, it probably will be for another year before I see my family again. So for now... Hello. Hi, Mom. It's the all-too-familiar routine of phone calls and video chats. You want to talk about Gabby? Hi, Eleanor. Are you hanging out with Grandma today? Aww. It's frustrating. It's it's very reasonable to ask us to stay home because I would feel awful if I came just to visit and got somebody sick. But it's still pretty frustrating. And isolating. Gabrielle got in touch with us to see if we could find out how other cross-border families are coping. It'd just be nice to know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one, but it's, I don't know anyone else around here where I am in uh, Kingston, Ontario. That's dual and from Vermont and have family on the other side. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. Here on the show, we answer questions about Vermont that have been asked and voted on by you, our listeners, because we think our journalism is better when you're a part of it. Today, 
Hi, my name is Gabrielle Coburn and I'm from Kingston, Ontario. And my question is, what effect has the border with Canada being closed had on Vermont and its citizens? BLS question askers have a special knack for asking two-part questions. In addition to hearing personal stories, Gabrielle also wants to know how her favorite Northeast Kingdom businesses are faring. So I'm just wondering how it's affecting like the economy with the lack of business from Canada. So in the heart of this strange, sad holiday season, an episode about local business and family. We have support from VPR sustaining members. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. We're going to take the second part of Gabrielle's question first, about the economic impacts of the border closure. There were a few Newport businesses in particular that she was curious about. Lapierre's home decorating. In all honesty, I can't say it really affected our business at all. It really don't depend on very much Canadian traffic. And the pick and shovel, which is a kind of hardware and garden store on steroids. I would say that because of all the the influx of out of state traffic we had over the summer, with a lot of people relocating to our area up here in the kingdom, you really couldn't tell this year that the Canadian traffic was missing. Ah, so any business you might have lost from Canadians, you sort of picked up with people moving in from other states in the U.S. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, probably fivefold. We're hoping that all the the people who have moved up here from down country are now going to be in need of of winter stuff. That was Chris Hamblett and Randy Davis, both co-owners of their respective businesses, which, lucky for them, are the exact kinds of places that are doing well in the pandemic, with so many people channeling their extra money and time into house projects. Good morning, Debbie Langoten. Hi there, my name is Angela Evansy. I'm a reporter at Vermont Public Radio, and I'm calling because... Businesses uh, that cater more to tourists, border closure. it's harder to find a good news story. And I was wondering if anyone at the Derby Line Village Inn would be willing to chat a bit. Oh, do you, do you mind if I ask why? Hello? The East Side Restaurant, which gets a lot of business from people coming off Lake Memphremagog, didn't respond to multiple voicemails. In November, Jay Peaks, president and general manager Steve Wright, came on VPR's show Vermont Edition and said this. Yeah, during the winter, we, uh, we rely on about 50% um, of our total customer base comes from Canada. It's about 70% in the summer, and we felt that a little bit with respect to the golf season. Uh, but yeah, half of our guests aren't going to physically a- be able to get here um, because of the, uh, the federal closing. The ski traffic is just not going to be around, and that, that is pretty much the only thing that provides us with you know, people who are interested in tasting high-end cider <laughs> in the wintertime. So yeah, it's too bad. Eleanor Leger is the founder and CEO of Eden Specialty Ciders, which has a tasting bar in Newport. 
She says her Canadian business had actually been declining before the pandemic due to a stronger U.S. dollar and, in recent years, a, quote, tougher border. Tougher because of immigration policy. That took it down another notch. And then having it closed for COVID, it's just totally... It's it's sort of the, the final nail in the coffin, perhaps, since, since at this point traffic is zero. But the company does most of its business far beyond Newport, through distributors and online sales. And Eleanor Leger says she has no plans to close their downtown tasting bar. So, big picture? The border closure is definitely affecting business along the, uh, in the U.S. side. Bruce James is the president of Vermont's North Country Chamber of Commerce in Newport. Ultimately, he says there are two types of commerce that are suffering right now. In the smaller towns just across the border, the neighbors there come to Newport Derby area and buy staples. They buy, you know, shop for groceries, get gasoline, things like that. But the bigger picture is what we're really missing is we're missing the 100 to 150,000 people that live a half hour to 45 minutes away from the border in Sherbrooke and the uh, eastern townships. Special events in all seasons, including the Memphremagog Winter Swimming Festival, normally draw thousands of Canadians who eat out and go shopping. Bruce James doesn't have an estimate for how much revenue will have been lost by the time this is over. It's untold. It's like tourism is like the uh, it's like the hotel business. If you uh, every night goes by that a room is empty, you can never get it back. It's not like um, a hardware store where they have a bin of uh, nine penny nails, and if you don't buy them Tuesday, you can come in and buy them Wednesday. Once these tourist dollars are missed, um, they can't come back. So. All we can hope for, and what we're all actually doing right now, is we're preparing to uh, entice and draw uh, our visitors across the border once the border opens up and once uh, the COVID is is at bay. Moving now from the economic to the personal. As we often do, we put out a call for folks to add their voices to this episode. And we heard from lots of people about how the border closure is affecting them. Some of you had a very specific type of anguish. I can't go to Schwartz's Deli in Montreal for their corned beef medium plate special. This is terrible. One of the things I most dearly miss about Montreal is going to Lester's Deli and Market up in the Outremont section of Montreal. It is the most delightful place for smoked meat in Montreal. And they have a sandwich there, which is, uh, it can't be any better. I miss it so much. That was Tom Powell of South Burlington, and before him, Doug Shane of Versher. But most of what we heard from you wasn't about smoked meat. It was about relationships. I especially hope to see my mother-in-law after this coronavirus thing is over. She's 77, and I'd like to spend time again with her. Darcy Bure lives in Richmond with her husband. His family is all in Montreal. We miss seeing our family. The nephew and nieces are growing up and changing, and I'd like to be a part of their lives. We've given up thinking that the border might reopen, since each date that was a month away was pushed back by another month. We heard this a lot that the extension of the closure month after month has really worn on people. And it's just 
a little heartbreaking. It's like I, I keep telling myself not to get my hopes up um, because I, I think that the border should stay closed right now. That was Bess Onigo of Williston. We'll hear more from her later. Here's Cameron Bradley of Burlington. I'm an American citizen, but my mom, stepfather, brother, and sister are all Canadian. The last time I saw any of them in person was for the holidays last year. We talk on the phone. Uh, my siblings and I have had a few online hangouts, but at this point, I've missed a year of birthdays. I've missed family time and going into missing uh, the holidays. I, I know that I'm going to miss more before all this is over. And every month, the chance to see them gets pushed out just one more month and then another and then another. My partner and I haven't traveled. We've tried to be responsible citizens, but some part of me thinks that maybe if we do enough that sooner it'll all be over sooner and so I can go visit them. A lot of us are making these hard choices not to see family, even here in the U.S. But if you decide to get in your car and drive to a relative's house in a different town or state, no one's going to stop you. Cameron Bradley says having this border restriction that you can't bypass makes it even harder. The effect, I guess, is ultimately the same, that I, I'm not seeing my family, but there's some difference there, I guess, between choosing not to see my family out of protection or safety um, and then waiting on a government, a government telling me that I can't go see them, that I can't cross the border. I, I guess the whole thing just is just made me feel really small. And it's not just families that are being kept apart right now. Friends are, too. Our question asker, Gabrielle's dad, can't cross the border for his curling club anymore. And then we heard from Olivia Durham of Barrie. I would like to say a word for some heartsick teens in New England and Quebec. She told us about a yearly exchange that she runs for teenagers through several small churches in the Barrie area and St. George de Beauce, Quebec. I'd like to share a poem written by a Quebecois young woman, Marie-Lou Dallaire both in French and in English. Olivia says the teenagers were really bummed this summer when they couldn't have their annual gathering. The title of the poem is The Date Our Meeting Should Have Been Held in 2020. June 28, 2020. Aucun bonheur, rêve brisé, espoir détruit. Souvenir oublié, courir à l'aube. Gris sentier droit, aucune chance de les voir. Photo du passé. Les larmes ne coulent pas. No hope of a happiness. Broken dreams, crashed hopes. Forgotten memories, early morning run. Straight back, gray and brown. No hope of seeing them. Pictures from the past. Tears not falling. Technically, visiting family in Canada is not impossible right now. A few months ago, the Canadian government set up a system to allow family members to enter the country. 
but you have to submit an application and get written authorization from the government. So it's not easy, which is what makes this such a tough time for so many families. My colleague Henry Epp spoke to one Vermonter who's been dealing with this. Bess Onigo is 27, and she lives in Williston. I was born and raised in Vermont, but uh, to parents that are both American and Canadian, so my dad's actually across the border in Canada. Bess's dad lives on a farm in Stanbridge East, Quebec, just over the border from Highgate, Vermont. The farm's been in his family for decades, and he moved back there when he and Bess's mother divorced when Bess was in high school. Before the pandemic, Bess would go visit him about once a month. It's, it's never really been an issue that there's a border in between us and that we're in different countries. And her dad would cross the border to swing by her place all the time. It's not unusual for me to get home from work at the end of a normal day and find like a jar of pickles or something on our or by our doorstop because that's what he does. He loves driving around and he loves dropping off little treats like that. Bess last saw her dad and his best friend, who she calls her uncle, back in February. They went to her dad's favorite restaurant, Outback Steakhouse. It was really good. And then right before we all left to them to go back up to Canada and my fiancé and I to go home, um, I thought about it and said, wait a second, I don't have any pictures of, of the fact that we did this. So I like called to them and, and brought them all back and got a picture of the four of us. And I'm really glad that I did because that's the, the most recent picture that I have. And I'm hoping that, you know, sometime in the next year, I'll get another one. What are the, some of the things that you're you're missing right now in terms of being able to go see your family to just easily be able to cross the border as you as you normally would? Well, the main thing I'm missing is being able to hug my father and my uncle and sit down and have a cup of tea with them and, and really catch up face to face and just spend that time with them. Um, they're both in their 70s now. I, I missed my father's 70th birthday. And in April, um, my fiance and I got engaged and I had to tell them via phone call and that was wonderful to be able to hear their excitement and everything, but it was at the same time a little bit of a letdown because I didn't get to see their faces or or really hear their excitement in person. And one added challenge, up until recently, Bess's dad didn't have internet access, and he's not interested in doing video calls. He says it would be too hard just to see her on a small screen. So we talk on the phone regularly and we text all the time. I get daily updates about what the wildlife on the farm is doing um, or what his cats are up to and whatnot. I also um, have started writing letters with my dad and I love his handwriting. So any excuse I get to have him write me a little note or something has been wonderful. You mentioned that, I mean, despite this, you are in favor of the border closure. Tell me more about that. I think that right now it's a matter of safety. From from what I've been reading in the news, it seems that there's a resurgence going on in the States and there's a resurgence going on in Canada. And if the border remains closed, it's more likely that both sides are going to be kept a little bit safer and, and kind of not cross-contaminate each other. My my dad and my uncle are both in their 70s and they have some underlying health issues that make them a little more at risk for complications from COVID. Bess says she has looked into the exemptions to the border closure for family members, which have been set up by the Canadian government. And she says she has a contingency plan. It 
sounds like um, I would be allowed in as an immediate family member because I'm I'm basically all, all my dad has. Is there one thing that you're most looking forward to when you're able to get over the border again, uh, go up to your dad's farm and see him? I think I'm most looking forward to actually being able to give him a hug and to see his face smiling at me and be able to hug my uncle and and see him smile at me as well and and to just go for a walk um, on the farm and have them show me what changes they've made while I've been away and um, to just be able to be there and, and be in our place together. So how do you identify? Do you think of yourself as a Vermonter first at this point, or how do you think about it? I'm a Can-Am. I tell people my left side is Canadian and my right side is American, and there's a blend somewhere in the middle. The last person we're going to hear from is Kenny Sachs. He was born in Montreal, but he's lived in Montpelier for the past 30 years. I think I identify more as Canadian than American. So what did it feel like when that border was closed? Um, that's been hard. It's been very hard. You know, my um, um, the only relative I had left in Montreal was my mom. Uh, we weren't able to get across the border from March. I couldn't go even to visit. And then when she got sick, I could not go across. You know where this is going. In May, Kenny's 98-year-old mom, Sonia, got COVID-19 in her retirement residence and ended up in the hospital. The night she got there, they called me here at like one in the morning. I figured this was going to be, she's passed. And they, no, your mother wants to talk to you. Oh, <laughs> okay. And uh, she got on, and um, my mother always used to joke that, um, you'll know there's something wrong when I lose my appetite. And I had just ordered, two days before she went to the hospital, I ordered a meal for her to be delivered from a restaurant she really likes in Montreal. And so she called to tell me I should tell them to hold on to that order because she won't be home for a few days, which was pretty weird. But that's what she was thinking about at the time. Didn't want this meal to be delivered if she wasn't there, you know, and obviously that meal never got delivered. Three days after testing positive for COVID, Kenny's mom passed away. I think it happened so fast that um, I don't think she really, I think she knew, but she didn't, she didn't suffer. I think it was harder for me and my siblings just knowing we couldn't be there. I'm trying to hold it together right now. It was just really hard. Kenny figures even if he lived in Montreal, he still wouldn't have been able to see his mom before she died. To be blunt, if I'd been in Montreal, it wouldn't have been much different. I still wouldn't have been able to go to the hospital. I still wouldn't have been able to visit her. But that's kind of how you thought about it. Yeah. We could be kind of separate from each other. Yeah, to try to alleviate my guilt a little bit. Mm. But his mom's funeral. Kenny missed that, too. If I could have driven across the border for the day, I would have. But I would have had to go into quarantine. It's not that Kenny couldn't cross the border. He could. He has dual citizenship. But the timing just didn't work out with the quarantine rules. At this point, there are some exceptions around what's called compassionate entry for situations like Kenny's. 
But those weren't in place back in May when his mom died. Even traveling within Canada was restricted. My sister is in Vancouver in British Columbia. She couldn't get in either. And my brother is in Ontario near Kingston. And uh, he slipped into Quebec for the day. Even he wasn't supposed to do that, but he drove in. The funeral was at the cemetery. He went and drove home, which I would have liked to have done, but that's going to leave a scar with me for a long time. Missing the funeral. Kenny hasn't forgiven himself for that. But he didn't want to do a virtual service either. He just went to one recently for an older cousin who also died of COVID. It was pretty strange. Doing a funeral on Zoom is is not the way it's supposed to be. You know, I'm not sorry that we didn't do my mother's that way. You know, when it's clear, we'll go back and we'll meet in Montreal and we'll, we'll do our own thing. For now, Kenny's trying to keep things in perspective. His mom, Sonia, lived a full life. And he says he's grateful to be in Vermont for the pandemic. If you got to be hunkered down somewhere, I know I'm very fortunate. I have a house. So I, I'm, I wouldn't dare complain because I see what's going on around the country. And I, I, I know the privilege that I have. But he's still processing. He recently retired from a career in special education. So he has a lot of time to think. You know, the wounds haven't healed yet. So I've had time to really dwell on it, I guess. And I'm a good dweller on stuff. Especially when I have all this time. In, in a weird way, I'm not sorry that I retired. But I like to, you know, I don't have a reason to get up in the morning right now. And I miss that. I don't have a goal. I don't have a purpose. I'm, I try to fill my day as best I can, you know, and I don't really like that I, because um, it gives me too much time to reflect on things. And I tend to be, um, I go to the dark side, you know, so if I'm busy, I'm good. That's why I'm, the winter, I'm just, I just want it to be spring already. <laughs> I want it to be April, you know, and we'll get there, but it's going to be a long, dark winter. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And thanks to Gabrielle Coburn for the great question and everyone who shared their stories for this episode. If you want to be a part of the BLS process, ask a question at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can subscribe to our podcast and our newsletter for free and vote on the question you want us to tackle next. We are on Instagram and Twitter at BraveStateVT. Henry Epp contributed reporting to this episode. I produced and Lynn McRae edited. Our digital producer is Elodie Reed, and we have engineering support from Peter Angish. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. A very special thanks this month to Chris Albertine, VPR's longtime engineer extraordinaire, who is retiring. Chris, you always made our show sound better. I'm going to miss you a lot. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from VPR's sustaining members. If you're able to make a gift, you can do that at bravelittlestate.org slash donate, or just spread the word about the show. 
I'm Angela Evansy. We will be back soon with a question about two very Vermonty words. My name is Ryan McLiberty. I'm from Woodstock, Vermont. And my question is, what is the history behind the terms flatlanders and woodchucks? And what do those terms evoke today? Until then, remember, be brave and hang in there. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.